I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the official Touch Em All Studios for another episode of your seventh favorite Twins podcast. Hopefully, someone in the top seven. Um, Derek, it's uh, it's always fun when we get breaking news dropping right into our laps yeah. before we turn the microphones on. And that happened today as we record this on a Thursday afternoon. The Twins naming Garvin Alston their new pitching coach. I'm just going to read you a few things from the press release. We both hopped on the 30-minute conference call. So this is going to be kind of an information dump for ourselves and for the listeners because I'm assuming not many people, including you and I, really knew anything about Garvin Alston until today. I was just going to add that, that, hey, new pitching coach, here's what you need to know about him. Don't feel bad if you hadn't heard about him. I cover Major League Baseball professionally, and with all due respect and apologies, I did not know who this was when I first saw the press release, the announcement. So I did some learning here in the last hour, two hours, uh, some brain dump, I think, on this episode. But what do you got on their on their press release? Today? Yeah, so he's 45 years old, recently served, uh, most recently, as the Major League Bullpen coach for the Oakland A's. After beginning the 2017 season as pitching rehab coordinator for the Padres, uh, the 2018 season will be his 14th as a coach in some capacity. He's been with the Diamondbacks as a bullpen coach. He's been the minor league pitching coordinator for the A's. He's been the minor league rehab pitching coordinator for the A's from 2009 to 2014 and was also a single-A pitching coach for uh, for a couple A's, well, single-A Stockton and then Kane County in the mid-2000s, 2005 through 7 through 8. Uh, pitched cup of coffee in the major leagues with the Rockies, made six appearances. He had a sip of coffee. In 1996, yeah. he mostly got rocked. But that's fine. Like That doesn't mean... Who Ron cares? Gardenhire right. is, a, is an above average... Yeah, Tom Kelly, right. major league manager, and like didn't didn't perform in the major league. So um, you were much more glued to the conference call. I had ADD and was mostly just like uh, scrolling through Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. But you give us what you picked up the most yeah. in your conference well, call uh, back and forth with the Twins' new pitching coach. Can I ask you a quick question first, and I think this applies for listeners too. We'll, we'll definitely get it all all about Garvin Alston here in a second, but I just want to ask you right off the jump, are you disappointed they didn't go with a bigger name? Somebody out there like a Mike Maddox, maybe a Chris Bosio, Jim Hickey, somebody like that? Were you... I don't know if expecting is the right word, but were you hoping they might go the more established route? See, that's a really hard question. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't feel a little buzzkilled on behalf of like all the fans and even just myself. I, I don't know who Garvin Alston is. I know him a little bit more now because I just heard him on a conference call, but I know who Mike Maddox is. I know who Chris Bazio is. I know the impact that they reportedly had on the Cubs and the Rangers. Uh, I I know who Jim Hickey is, and uh, you and I both heard sort of secondhand that Jim Hickey was not officially offered a contract by the Twins, and he's still out there. So, you know, could could they have been more aggressive pursuing an established pitching coach by name? Yes. Is it possible that a Mike Maddox, for instance, who may, maybe maybe they talked to Mike Maddox and he said, no, nah, I'm going to go to the Cardinals or wherever, and yeah. um, thanks, but... Maybe Garvin Alston was their fourth choice, and 
they wanted Mike Maddox, and we'll just we'll just never know that process. But can we definitively say that because Mike Maddox was an established pitching coach for a certain period of time, that he's still the best guy to take over the Twins major league staff and also oversee the the philosophical, uh, you know, the the development of the organization's pitching philosophies? I don't. I can't say definitively. Yes, Mike Maddox in 2017 would be an awesome hire. I know he's had success with the Rangers, so it's kind of a cop out. But I don't know. I guess I tend to trust Derek Falvey based on the hiring of James Rousen and how that worked out, and nobody knew who he was when they hired him. I think they've made some good front office hires. They're thinking uniquely about the hirings they make and their philosophies on the game. And Derek Falvey tends to know pitching, going back to his days with Cleveland. Yeah. So I guess it's just my default stance to sort of trust him in the short term that he knows who he's hiring. Yeah. That's that's my cop-out answer. Fair point. Fair enough. What about you? Uh, same. Hard same. I was on your show two weeks ago talking about the candidates, guys who might be available for this role for the Twins. Not only this role, but also the minor league pitching coordinator role, sort of that overseeing, which I think is going to be a really important hire. We'll see where they go with that one. Um and I, I, I think I basically termed it, at least I had it in my notes. I don't remember if I actually said this, so forgive me. Somebody dig up the tape and tell me I'm wrong. But I said, somewhat coincidentally, I said, either you go get a big name who wants to uh, sort of prove it at a next stop with some pitching talent, but really much maligned major league pitching staff over the past five, six years, even last year. I mean, this was a better season for the Twins, but you wouldn't look at their pitching staff and say, yep, one of the premier staffs in baseball. You would just never say that. So I thought either you go get a big name who wants a challenge job or you get, and I said this on the radio, the James Rousen of pitching, a guy who I've never heard of. I don't know who this is. But as we've come to learn in the year that James Rousen has been on the job, supremely qualified, a really strong candidate for the role that he has. And in time, we've sort of learned to trust that, oh, James Rousen definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to hitting, for sure more than you or I do. No offense, dude. Don't mean to throw you under the bus. Listen, I mean, you're talking about a gap-to-gap monster, monster at Buffalo Buffalo High School in in a couple games. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember at, uh, at Jefferson High School if I ever hit the ball out of the infield. Um, James Rousen knows what he's talking about. He knows how to communicate with people, and he has this sort of like uh, all – I don't know how to term it really, this like all-encompassing sort of philosophy that he's able to extend to not just one type of swing. Oh, you're a masher who likes to pull the ball? Perfect. He's your guy. No, it's not that simple. James Rousen can work with anyone from Byron Buxton to Miguel Sano to even Joe Maurer, Brian Dozier to Eddie Rosario. So – why I say it's coincidental that I brought up the fact that they might go get the James Rousen of pitching, which now if you're a Twins fan, you have to hope they've done. Coincidental because both Rousen and Alston are from Mount Vernon, New York, and apparently have a long history hmm. dating back years. So much of a history, uh, Alston was asked about Rousen on the conference call, called him J-Row, and said that any time that his dad was throwing a barbecue that James would be invited. That's, uh, that's and, What a weird coincidence. Yeah, and so Derek Falvey mentioned Is that what that, Falvey said? He had no idea? Yeah, he said he's like... They hired him and had no idea. This is a group of reporters on a conference call with Derek Falvey, Paul Molitor, and the new pitching coach, Garvin Alston, and 
he was asked about Rousen's the relationship there. Hey, you guys are from the same city. You run in the same circles. Like maybe he's you're a couple years older than him, but like, do you know each other? Yeah, they have a long history. And Falvey chimed in and said, I like to think that I'm pretty prepared in these interviews and I do my due diligence on a lot of different candidates. I have to admit, I did not know that they had a prior relationship until no. they got into the later stages of interview. Now, whether I believe everything Derek Falvey says or not, it's another story. But in this case, I think it's really interesting that it's just kind of a coincidence that now two really prominent coaches on the Twins coaching staff uh, have a prior relationship. Yeah, and there's, I think there's a risk in hiring somebody that's never been a major league pitching coach before because you just never know, especially he's 45 years old, and so it's not, like, Irvin Santana is not that much younger than he is. You're going to have to relate to guys that, sure. that you know, you're in a similar age bracket to, you know, maybe 10 years apart in some instances. And there's always the risk that the job is just too big and uh, the communication just isn't what you thought it would be when you put a guy in that sort of spotlight where, if the pitching staff doesn't perform, people in a top 15 market actually question whether you're capable of doing your job. That probably never happened when you were the A's minor league pitching coordinator. So there is some inherent risk in giving a guy his first shot in that regard. Sure. But if I could go into the mind of Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and say, okay, what are some of the benefits? Mike Maddox has his own 30 or 40 year thoughts on what, pitching should be, right, on what on what his pitching philosophies are. The same can be said for a guy like Jim Hickey or a Chris Basio who, you know, he's been he's been out of the league for 30 years and he's been a coach now with the Cubs and I'm not trying to discredit these guys. I'm not saying that like sure. what what they know about pitching is wrong by any means, but if Derek Falvey has his specific vision for what a a pitching staff should look and feel like, the way that a pitching coach or coordinator should go about working with pitchers, the way pitching is set to evolve the next five or ten years. Maybe it's just better to go find someone that you can collaborate with with a completely clean slate that's never been a major league pitching coach hmm. before. Something to think about. Yeah, I think that if you're going to put a point in his favor, there are a couple of things that I heard on this conference call, and we'll have to see. I think that there's an extreme danger in making assessments on a conference call or opening press conference. Did he win or lose the press conference? Therefore, was it a good or bad hire? Ask me in 12 months, and I'll have a better idea for you. You know, What is he going to do with Steven Gonsalves? What is he going to do with rehabbing pitchers like Ryan O'Rourke and Trevor May? How is he going to impact Jose Barrios' career? I want to know that stuff before I even try to give you an answer on whether this is a good hire or not. But two checks, I think, in his favor that I heard on the conference call, I asked him about data and analytics because he'd mentioned when I was with the A's, sort of worked through things like uh, using the TrackMan system and using data and video to develop pitches for guys, whether it's looking at the shape of pitches or, or whatever, so the track, impact of that. TrackMan, for people who are casual fans, TrackMan essentially measures – you know, it's, it, I don't know if you've ever like gone to a, a golf swing place, like Second Swing, and you can measure, you know, clubhead speed and, uh, you know, like exit velocity on your on your drive and all those things. For hitters and pitchers, it measures spin rates and exit velocities and all those things. That some of them are becoming more mainstream, but but teams are talking a lot more about how to improve those measurements than like ERA and batting average and yeah. home runs. 
how do we improve the processes that lead to those results? Mm-hmm. And to to hear him bring that up on the conference call was was very interesting. Yeah, he, he so he talked about that, and I and then I specifically just circled back and I said, would you just shed some light on you mentioned analytics? Obviously, that's been a focus in the Falvey regime. Um, could you just peel back the curtain for us and and share some of the things that you use? And I got the dreaded start to the answer that. Well, I can't dive too deep in this stuff. And you saw me. I was sitting, we're sitting in the same room. And I'm like, ah, oh, shoot. We want you to dive yeah, in. Please. I just, think he phrased it, I don't. Without well, getting I, into too I, many specifics. I'm not going to go too deep yeah. on this. Or It was like, no, like if you want to, you can. No, go for it. Yeah. yeah. So Are you being told not to? Right. Now, best believe I'm circling back on that in Fort Myers. I'd, I'd love to hear more about the process. But I get it. Front offices. I run into that answer, Phil, probably once a month, uh, if not more than that. Uh, you're asking the right kinds of questions. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you, major league teams are thinking this way of, you know what, you're on the right track and you can come to some of this stuff, some of these conclusions on your own. We just, we can't show you how the sausage is made because some teams feel it's a competitive advantage if there are three teams out there or 13 teams out there or 29 teams out there that don't know some secret you think you've uncovered, why would you talk with the media about it? But do you remember the, the answer he eventually landed on? Was yes, and he, it's he, a check gave, in his favor. Yeah, he gave away a little bit, and it's not something that you're going to – it's not like super deep into the into the analytical weeds. Sure. But he talked about the importance of pitchers getting extension. Yeah. Not necessarily for velocity, although it definitely, I'm sure, helps. He meant more for command and control. Yeah. That you can properly locate your pitches where you want if you're getting that extension out Exactly front. right. There are two parts to this because uh, StatCast measures – is another like measurement system here similar to TrackMan. It measures how far on average you get, how close you are to home plate. Let me back up. Rubber, 60 feet, 6 inches away from home plate for every pitcher, no matter how tall you are, no matter how long your arm is, whether you're a side armor or over the top. But the distance from the front of home plate to where you release the ball might be different for every single pitcher on like a very microscopic level. But a guy like Noah Syndergaard, who really gets out there, he's going to be closer to home plate when he lets go of that big fastball. And so extension rate plays into two things. You're right. He mentioned command and control. I think that's important because of your ability to repeat that same extension rate. How how far are you getting? And if your curveball is, you know, six inches back or six inches higher, it's going to be tougher for you in general to 33 starts in a row, know where that curveball is going, playing off of your fastball. So command is a big part of it, but then there's this thing known as perceived velocity too, which if you're Noah Syndergaard and you really get out there and you're coming out right on top of home plate, think Randy Johnson. Well, that 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastball is going to look even faster to a yeah. hitter as compared with somebody who's maybe, you know, standing back over the rubber and not getting out over it as much. Well, and, and I guess, like, your reaction time, even if it's only, it's like, a, a, a few inches or I don't know what the oh, difference yeah. is, yeah, it's, it matters. It matters Just, a lot because you're talking about microseconds. Yeah. You're talking about less than half of a second from the start of this thing to when you have to make the swing-stop decision. And if you can cut off, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but – five one thousandths of a second that's that matters a lot so anyway two checks in his favor one is that he mentioned this extension rate i i'm grateful that he would even bring up some things that they'd talk about because i think the tendency would be well we don't want to talk about that because 
we don't want the other teams to know our secrets. Hey, don't be so afraid of that. You know, if you can share with fans um, what sort of things go into your decision making process, I think it can help make for a better relationship both ways. So that was one check in his favor: the fact that he's not afraid of the A word analytics. And the second check that I think is in his favor, and this might go under the radar, he served in the past, you mentioned this at the top of the podcast, Phil, as a pitching rehab coordinator in some of his previous stops, whether it was in the minor leagues or the majors with the Padres, I believe. And I asked Falvey about that part of it specifically. Hey, is there – could you just speak to the merit of having this on a resume? It seems like keeping pitchers healthy – is a real differentiating factor between some of the elite teams. How much did that go into it? When you're choosing a guy who, frankly, I didn't say this, but who, frankly, you and I haven't heard of, Phil, and while there are other bigger names out there, Falvey said as much that there is something to the idea that maybe he can help keep pitchers healthier. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say that exactly. But more importantly, in Falvey's own words, understanding the psychology of what it's like to have to come back from a lengthy rehab process. I think I'm curious to see how that plays out over the next 6, 12, 18 months. Um, The Twins are going to have a couple of TJ guys coming back. They're going to have a couple guys who dealt with extensive injuries this past year, like a JT Shagwa. And and I think that, I I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I think the fact that the Twins singled out somebody who sort of has that on the resume, it's at very least interesting to me. And if the Twins can keep their pitchers 5% healthier than the next club, I think that's a built-in advantage. Yeah, it's almost, I mean, he's almost so obscure to the general baseball public that it makes you feel, it makes you feel good about the amount of due diligence Derek Falvey and Thad Levine did, right? They must have. That it was, they didn't just go hire Jim Hickey because, well, he's Jim Hickey and he worked with, he worked with Joe Madden in Tampa Bay, and yeah. that's a really good pitching organization. And that's a really had, easy thing to, to say. You could say, well, and they had Chris Archer, and they had Jeremy Hellickson when he was good, Matt Moore when he was good. Right. So in some ways, and I, and I don't, again, I don't know what percentage of credit Jim Hickey deserves. I'm sure he is a fine pitching coach. You also want to be careful about hiring based on proximity to success. Is it success by association? Just because you work at Facebook doesn't sure. mean that you're Mark Zuckerberg, sure. right? Oh, he was a developer at Google? Yeah. Like, In most okay. cases, I'm going to trust did, that. Did, or... he de- did he develop the simple search box on the homepage sure. in 1997? Yeah. If, no? Okay. So, yeah, like did Jim Hickey create Chris Archer? Probably not. I don't know. Does he? I'm sure Chris Archer has praised Jim Hickey. Um, but it's really easy to get, to get caught along those lines of thinking. But the fact that they went this deep for Garvin Alston – and and they went this far down, at least from a you know from an outsider's perspective, the list of obvious names. Sure. Um, it, it at least you know that they did a bunch of homework and they came to the conclusion that that Garvin Alston was the best guy for this job going forward. I think one so. of two things, along what you're saying, it was either a ballsy hire and they've done a lot of legwork, or maybe the Twins' job's not super desirable. I don't know because. Like I said, give me two years. I want to figure out if this guy's a good pitching coach. If he proves to be a good hire, which, by the way, we should say, if I had to just blindfold guess, not look at his resume, and not know anything about him, not have spoken with him, just say, hey, uh, Wetmore, so Derek, ha- Derek Falvey just researched 
went through a search process, and then hired a pitching coach? Do you think he made a good choice? I would say probably. I don't know. Like if you were going to make me choose yes or no without knowing anything, I think he's earned a year into his tenure, which is a short timeline. I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt for me to say, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So that definitely plays into my thinking of the whole – the analysis of this hire that I, I don't want to say that they went to their fifth choice because I don't know that. Um, but I wonder, hey, was were other bigger names on the table? Or, two, do you just feel so confident that this is the guy that you need? As you mentioned, Phil, pitching maybe evolving right now. Yeah. We don't know. Maybe it will here in the next year or two uh, as, as you really – ramp up things like you're paying attention. Everyone knows spin rate now. You know which like a high spin rate pitcher is going to work better in the top of the zone, low spin rate guy is going to work better in the bottom of the zone. Talking about pitch tunneling and things like playing your curveball off of your fastball or setting up you know, sliders and change-ups to play off of each other, just different movement and stuff like that. I, it's, it's still a job that requires a lot of experience on the pitching side of things, like understanding some just subtle nuances that you couldn't teach somebody on their first day in the job. Like you just kind of have to know pitching. But I think that more and more the job's also incorporating things that Phil, you and I, I mean, this is probably the reason we never surfaced in the big leagues. We didn't know what some of this stuff was. And now it's a huge built in advantage to players as they climb up the minor league ladder. I like to blame it on injury personally, but yeah, whatever. I had a, I had a a (laughs) pitching coach in high school. He, he said, Everybody got hurt. That was the thing. It was like, like, well, I was climbing up, and yeah, I was playing some town ball, and I just, I felt like I was close. Scouts scouring everywhere, and man, never got the opportunity. Then I blew out my shoulder, and that was it. Right. And if I hadn't foregone conclusion, right. I would have been Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, and how old were you? I was thirty six at the time. Right. It was it was slow pitch softball <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah. This but was I was last mashing. Year. Right. <laughs> this was last year. Uh, this episode, by the way, is uh, brought to you guys by Luther Brookdale Toyota, which is right on the corner of six ninety four and Brooklyn Boulevard here in the Twin Cities, and they have a bunch of new two thousand eighteen model Toyotas on their lot. So. I love the way that they freshen up every two or three years. The look, the interior, the technology. So go check out specifically the 2018 Camry, the 2018 RAV4, and uh, find out why my family and I have been going to Luther Brookdale Toyota for 30-plus years. I haven't been going there quite that long because I just turned 16 in, like, 2001. But, like, I rode along as a kid in the 90s and the in the late 80s, so... Uh, there's a reason why we haven't even considered going anywhere else to get our car serviced or to uh, purchase or trade in, whatever it may be. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Here's what you may have missed on a recent Purple Podcast. Because now the NFC North is really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, Detroit does not look like a good team. I never thought they were a good team, even when they were 3-1. and one. They, to me, did not look like a great team. They didn't do a whole lot in the offseason to improve their defense, which is still pretty poor. And I've never bought into Matt Stafford being a top-notch quarterback. I think he's just good and really great occasionally. So you would still be in a great situation, even if Keenum had to play the rest of the year, to make the playoffs. But I think now, as we get to 5-2, and two, you start to look at the other teams in the NFC and start to stack yourself up against them and ask, where are we going to fit if you make the playoffs, assuming that you do? If, you, if you're if you 6-2, and two, you should make the playoffs, unless it's it happens as it did last year. You can find the Purple Podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, 
or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. Phil, let me ask you a question about, I guess it's the hiring process, but more just, I'm, I'm asking you to speculate because that's fun to do on a podcast. I wouldn't ask you to write a column about this because that's printed and that's forever. Podcasts are just flying by the seat of our pants. Reckless speculation, I yes. think, is in the description of the Touch Em All podcast. Yes. And what if I it's wonder, not, we should put it in. <laughs> hey, producers, could you get on that? Thanks. <laughs> I wonder how much of a say do you think Paul Molitor had on this interview process? Because Molitor has a three-year contract as manager of the Twins. Molitor has been open to the conversations surrounding analytics and series planning, game planning, uh uh, all, all of this stuff, you know, that with the introduction of a guy like Jeremy Hefner, Jeff Pickler, um, James Rousen, for that matter, to the staff, uh, and certainly Derek Falvey and crew that as he's built out that front office. So I, I think Molitor has been very open, a very open dialogue partner. And at the same time, I think that Molitor has his views on baseball and sees sometimes there's an overcorrection in the data. Well, a couple of years ago, if you were saying guys with high spin rates are good pitchers, well, hold on. You're missing something there. There's a little component that you're missing. So he's confident in that. He has his beliefs, and I think he's right much more often than not. But at the same time, this feels to me personally more like a Derek Falvey oh, hire. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so Chris Basio was available. Sure. Paul Molitor and Chris Basio played together in, in Milwaukee yeah. and have a great relationship. And and I had heard, I know uh, Doogie had reported this too a couple of years ago, that if there was a way to get Chris Basio away from the Cubs when Molitor got the job three years ago initially, that like they would have tried to do that. Sure. So if it if it were just Paul Molitor making the hire, I have no doubt Chris Basio, who is available after getting fired by the Cubs. And seen as a good pitching coach at yes, the major league level. Yes, that he would have been the Twins pitching coach. Did he have any idea who uh, who Alston was before basically like the last couple weeks? Probably, probably not. Yeah, my guess is no. They had and, never spoken before. So here's the thing that Molitor was asked about that on the conference call and said that we had a long conversation. And Alston said he didn't know how long conversations like that are supposed to go but his perception was that it went in way longer than it was scheduled or that it was expected to just because they got into talking pitching philosophies and the game and how how it used to be how it is right now and maybe where it's headed would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation a but b Molitor mentioned that after hearing him talk about how some of the information has changed and some of the series prep stuff that you now need to go through and the data and the game plan for starters, game plan for relievers. After talking with Alston about those things that he came away, you know, heartened or, or, or convinced maybe that this was the direction to go. But like, I guess this is just an open-ended question. Your thoughts on how much are we buying that Molitor green lit this or was it passed down and, and B does that even matter? Or are we more like, you know what? The manager runs the staff and front offices has a, a longer term view of the things than the manager. I mean, managers have a fraction of the power that they once had in baseball. You know, there was a sure. time even, I would say even up until 10 or 15 years ago that, the manager still made the lineup decisions. The manager probably still had a lot of influence on personnel decisions. 
And, I mean, it's collaborative, not to steal a word that Derek Falvey uses quite a bit. but He's really planted that seed. Yeah, I like to say that I used to use that word before Derek yeah. Falvey came to town, but the answer is if you reviewed the audio, probably not. Yeah. You know? Just like the word elite. I think I say elite about 100 times a day now thanks to PJ Fleck. I wonder who gave you the town. term all in. Was that uh, you know what? All in was uh, Chris Moneymaker. was usually <laughs> my. It, it came from my poker background, sure. and it was usually a bad move by me because oh, okay. it wound up like, right. losing me all my chips. <laughs> Insta so, call, <laughs> right? Exactly. Snap call aces. Yep. Dang it, son of a. Um, but I, I just, I managers are so handcuffed now, and they're. I I'd love to know what the most important roles managers played. Maybe you know thirty years ago compared to now, if you had a checklist of okay hmm. things that you need to be really good at as a manager for this team to win, and now like lineups are just constructed for you. They're strongly recommended at the very least, if not mandated by most front yeah. office uh, front office. Let me just interject quickly, and I'll let you go. But like Molitor mentioned that in his press conference announcing his new three year deal, and yeah, he said he didn't never once felt meddled. Throughout the course of the season. Because which, he probably agrees with the research that shows, sure. oh, you should have your, your best hitter batting first or second. Sure. Okay. And, and I just, I, man, I, I think that uh, I'd be surprised if you never felt even tacitly meddled. I'd be surprised if that's the absolute well, Is truth. it meddling if you agree with the communication? Oh, but so what if, if, let's it, say they disagreed, and Molitor then had the final say, and he writes his lineup card. Is that meddling still, right? Yeah, I, I think know. of meddling as a negative yeah. Term so if, if it wasn't for you if you come to me kids. and you say uh, hey Phil I've got some new information about how you can make your Instagram account sure. not just cat photos right. I would I'm, never do that and I said record. wow like I do post a lot of cat photos on Instagram but I'm really open minded to posting things other than cat photos sure I'd love to hear your input on this but I'm meddling now right you're only meddling if I really just want to keep posting cat sure. photos. Like, stop stop trying to get me right. to not post cat okay. photos. Okay, fair enough. Like, so, Paul Molitor used to just draw cat photos on each of the nine lineup spots, is what I'm saying. I was trying to, was trying to draw a straight line on that metaphor to your social media game, but, and I, but I can't figure it out. You're asking, you know, to what... How much? How much should we care if Paul Molitor didn't have much say over, over I mean, like, the coaching staff? Yeah, just general... I mean, I'm curious. And... I think if everything's in alignment, if you could construct the perfect baseball organization in front office, and I think you're getting this in Houston right now, I think you're getting this in Los Angeles with the Dodgers, I think you're getting it with the Cubs the last couple of years, the front office is able to gather relevant information, scouting, whatever it may be, information about your own players, other players, and then communicate that all the way down through scouts and or the field manager and or the coaches to the players. So the information and the planning and the blueprinting starts with your president of baseball operations and everything has to flow. Your goal at the end of the day is to win a world series. The guy who's in charge of creating the structure for which that happens within mm -hmm. is the Derek Falvey or the Theo Epstein. And so if you were to just hire a manager and not have a ton of input into empowering him or or even in some cases telling him what the plan is and if you know if you don't agree with the plan then you don't have to work here anymore. So does that mean that the that the manager's power has been somehow like castrated or like has 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 he uh lost influence? I think the influence has just changed. I think 
I think there was a, there was there there were probably a lot of different teams in baseball where and in the and the Angels were one of these teams where the manager had more clout than the GM. Sure, Mike Sosha yeah. has outlasted a couple different general managers mm-hmm. in most organizations now. In 2017, that wouldn't the manager would never have more power or influence over the direction of the organization than the GM. And I'm fine with that because I think I've just sort of adapted to that. And I I was born in the mid 80s, and I guess I was more impressionable when that change was being made. In the early 2000s, Billy Bean was really the first guy that was publicized as directing the manager on what to do. And the way it was, the way it came off was, you disagree with me, but I'm telling you, you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not healthy. Right. Hire people that agree with your vision. Yeah. And if you don't agree with the vision, then like, okay, then you can go find some someplace else to work. Yeah. I'm Does curious. that all make sense? Yeah, I'm curious okay. too. And and peeling back the curtain on our studios a little bit, this is. A, Getting a little personal, but I think it's fine. We're late into a podcast, intimate <laughs> with our Touch Em All listeners. If you're still in 30 minutes, you can come behind the curtain with us. I think that uh, we talk about a lot, Phil, not only knowing what to do in today's media landscape in terms of how to cover the Twins, how to cover the Vikings, how to record a podcast, but also knowing that in three years, if the podcasting format is different, can you quickly pivot, figure this new one out, and run with it? And I think the same is true on major league staffs. Hey, this is currently what we think is important information, and here's how we kind of – I mean I I think that there's a subtle art of how do you communicate that? How do you take Ryan Presley's spin rate on his fastball and his curveball and say, okay, here's the best way to tunnel your pitches and get more strikeouts. Increase your swinging strike rate and become a better pitcher. That's a hard thing to do. If everybody could do it, there would be a lot more excellent pitching coaches running around. But A, you have to be open to the data. B, you have to be a great communicator. C, you have to earn the trust over time with some of that stuff. And I would add a D, you have to be aware that if you're a player or a manager or a coach, the system or the process that worked for you five years ago might not work as well anymore. That the thing you were doing to get strikeouts as as maybe a, a 90th percentile strikeout guy five years ago, maybe that same process only gets you to the 50th percentile today because things are evolving. Sure. Right? And this I is think, really deep in the weeds. But, no, uh, that's, yeah. but this is what the Touch Em All listeners come for. <laughs> or they're ready to bail and they just can't find the stop button. I, I think there's a certain element, and, and I see this in James Rousen just in the few conversations we've had, and the same with like a Jeff Pickler in the couple of times I've picked his brain about things. It's like, okay, they're – I'm in geometry class, and they're teaching Calc 4. But if Calc 4 was suddenly out of fashion and there was some new form of Newtonian mathematics that came in vogue, they would also be quick to learn that, quick to apply it, and uh, I would say confident enough in their own abilities, but also have this sort of humility that says, Hold on, I'm curious about this. There's this other thing that now I'm kind of I'm wondering. What can the, I learn the, from the this? Twor- the twins for a long time weren't curious about that. Would you call it? What was the new mathematics? Oh, uh, well, calculus is based on Newtonian. I know what calculus physics. is. Yeah. Okay, so I was saying if there was a new Newtonian paradigm, whatever. Yeah, the twins didn't care into, about that. No. They just wanted to pitch the contact for a while. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> and that was taught in just algebra. Just throw strikes, one, Scott Baker. Yeah, there, I mean, the, look, we could we could. I think that we are going to be quick to say that Valvi probably made a good hire, even though we don't know who this guy is. We don't know much about his background other than what he's told us in the 20 minutes on a conference call and, and what the Twins told us in a press release. But two things I'm curious about. 
One is how is he adaptable and all of this stuff. And frankly, he's still got a long road to hoe. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of work to make the Twins pitching staff rival that of the Houston Astros or of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, you only have to get partway there because remember, both of those teams added an ace at the trade deadline. Get yourself in position, add an ace. But the other thing, Phil, that I'm I'm going to be really curious about is how does the medical side of his background, how does it play into all this? Is is he going to actually make the Twins X percent better at keeping guys on the mound, keeping your best starters and relievers healthy? Uh, maybe I'm looking too deep into that. It's it's possible we're also overreacting. We tend to do that a lot on the Touch Them All podcast, too. Wouldn't be the first time. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This- Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, Roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 3 20 and 23.